So last week I was situating our experience of anatta or not-self in the context of these five aggregates, also known as the five clinging aggregates, these broad categories of experience that we tend to very commonly identify with and take to be me and mine and who I am. So just as a quick reminder, the first is form, the second is feeling tone, the third is perception, the fourth is volitional formations, and the fifth is consciousness. And last week we were exploring the first of these form in terms of our own bodies. And so today I'd like to move on to the second one, which is Vedana, or feeling tone. And many of you are familiar with this term, feeling tone. It's a technical term, as I introduced in the guided meditation. It's just that first hit of whether something, any experience registers as pleasant, as unpleasant, or as neutral, as neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And that is going on all the time. Even right now, as you're sitting here, maybe there's a slight headache, unpleasant. Maybe there's the softness of the shawl, is pleasant. Maybe there's a just sense of the body sitting relaxed and there's a neutrality there. So this quality of feeling tone comes with every single experience we have at any of the six sense stores that I just mentioned. So sights, sound, smell, taste, tactile sensations and mental activity. The six sense stores. Anybody had any experience that is not coming in at one of those six sense doors? Ever? How do you know that you're out of your body? With the mind recognizing that. So that knowing in the mind is a mental activity. No, I'm linking it to the six, the sense door of the mind does that make sense it's the mental activity that yeah it's the mental activity of the mind knows the out of body experience so it's happening at the sense door of the mind so we might frame it in a way that it seems like it's outside of our experience but it's actually a mental perception or a formation yeah So the Buddha was a master at deconstructing our experience to help us not form it into the self. And he was really pointing to any moment of experience as just one of these six things going on, micro-moment to micro-moment, and biologically alongside that, our kind of more primitive processing system is recognizing each sense contact as pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. We can't stop that. That's just part of the fact of having a human body. But what we can have some control over is what we usually unconsciously and habitually do with that feeling tone. So pretty obvious common sense, right? If something's pleasant, how do we respond? Lean into it, want it, try to hold on to it, try to enhance it, prolong it, and so on. Obviously, the opposite of it's unpleasant. What do we do? 
pull away, reject, resist, deny. And if it's neutral, most of the time we don't even know it's happening. We ignore it, we space out, we disconnect and so on. So these feeling tones are very powerful building blocks of reactivity. And they're not inherent in the experience itself. So for some of you sitting here right now, the temperature in the room might be quite pleasant. For some of you, it might be unpleasant. For some of you, you may not have even noticed it. And then five minutes later, it may have shifted again, and now you're too hot or you're too cold or whatever. So feeling tone, like everything else, is constantly shifting and changing. But as many of you pointed to, we tend to grab onto what we like, resist what we don't like. We make things more permanent. And the challenge is, because of neural plasticity, which the Buddha recognized you know, 2,600 years ago, and which contemporary neuroscientists are only just recognizing, the more that we're unconscious and fall into the habit pattern of wanting, not wanting, or spacing out, the more we strengthen those pathways in the mind. And over time, these three core energies the Buddha recognized as greed, hatred, and delusion. And these three primal energies are what keep us cycling around in endless reactivity. And these terms, the language is pretty loaded. We're, they're often framed as the three root poisons or the three core defilements. And even the words greed and hatred and delusion sound very judgmental. They sound very judgmental. So just to say that the first of these three, greed or compulsion, as it's sometimes called, refers not only to the most addictive intense craving but any subtle form of wanting at all any as some of you pointed to in the check-in that leaning forward into experience just half a degree towards something that too is a form of greed there's a caveat here though sometimes when people hear you know all this talk about greed and not getting attached to sense pleasures, it doesn't mean that we're never supposed to enjoy anything and that we're supposed to somehow avoid anything that might be pleasant. It's the clinging that we're looking at, the relationship to it. So, for example, um, I hesitate to use this example because I don't actually have any chocolate biscuits this week, but if there was a packet of chocolate biscuits in there and you noticed it when you arrived... If you go, when we take a break, you have a biscuit, or say apricots, because there are apricots. You take an apricot, you eat it, you enjoy it, fine. On the other hand, if you notice that there only seem to be about 10 or so left, and you're counting how many people are here in the room and wondering if everybody's <laughs> going to have an apricot and can you get in there first before everyone else, that's a totally different relationship. So that's the greed that we're pointing to. Likewise, the um, hatred, a very strong word, but it again applies to a whole spectrum from the most murderous rage at one end through to just the little flickers of irritation or dislike. It also includes fear. 
because it refers to any form of not wanting or pushing away. So again, from the most intense panic through to just that flickers of anxiety, any moving away from experience. And then ignorance or delusion, again, from the most pathological, distorted, uh, out-of-touch-with-reality kind of um, psychiatric delusion through to just, at times, that sort of willful ignorance. I don't know if you ever have that sense in the morning of, oh, just let me pull the covers up. It's too much. I just need a bit of a break. That sort of shutting out, shutting down, disconnecting from experience. That might be an example of delusion on the more subtle end. So these three feeling tones, greed, uh, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, have a very natural relationship to greed, hatred, and delusion when there's no mindfulness present. And over time, most of us tend to unconsciously fall into one of these patterns more than the others. So some of you are familiar with the teaching on the three personality types, the greed type, the hatred type, the deluded type. Again, trying to let go of the heaviness of those labels. But it's just an invitation to see what tends to be my default response to things. Because by nature, if it's default, we're usually not seeing it. And it can be very useful to try and see, is there a common strategy that I tend to fall into? So one way I invite people to try and work out what type they are is just to notice any response to this classification system. Perhaps the first time you heard it, whether that's right now or in previous Dharma talks, So for some people, when they hear about these three personality types of greed, hatred, and delusion, they get really fascinated. Wow, I wonder what type I am. I wonder if there's some books I can read about this or some Dharma talks because, I don't know, I think I could be this kind of person. And I wonder what my partner is. You know, Maybe they're this kind of person and this is so interesting. So right in that response, there's a greed sort of orientation. On the other hand, some people hear this and the common response is, that's ridiculous. Human beings are far too sophisticated to be divided into three basic categories. I'm not going to even waste my time thinking about that. Anyone recognize that type? The aversive type. And then the last very common response is, wow, huh. I don't know, like, there's the greed type and there's the aversive type. Was there another one? I'm not really sure. I, I kind of could be all of them, but there wasn't the one more. I'm, anyway, well, kind of. So that might be the deluded type. So we can hear these and perhaps recognize, and all of us, of course, are all of them at different times, but many of us do have a tendency to fall into one more commonly than the other. And it's not to use this as just another system. Oh, yes, I'm a greed type. or Oh, no, I'm a deluded type. That's not the point. The idea is to help us see that these are actually impersonal patterns coming from our conditioned responses to these basic stimulus of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. 
And it can be useful, as I'm saying, to notice, okay, that's just my default type and how might I start to balance it out rather than keep on spinning the wheels and deepening that rut even more. So to begin with, we want to train in seeing the building blocks of how all of this reactivity happens. And again, we're cultivating this skill of bare awareness, of simply knowing the feeling tone as the feeling tone without our usual habit of falling into liking, not liking, resisting, wanting, analyzing, identifying, and so on. So in the Satipatthana Sutta, the words are, and how, practitioners, does one in regard to feeling tones abide contemplating feeling tones? Here, when feeling a pleasant feeling tone, one knows, I feel a pleasant feeling tone. When feeling an unpleasant feeling tone, one knows, I feel an unpleasant feeling tone. When feeling a neutral feeling tone, one knows I feel a neutral feeling tone. Very basic and simple. And yet for most of us, this takes quite a bit of training. So after we've had a little bit of a break, we'll come back and start practicing with this knowing of feeling tones. Okay, thank you for your attention.